This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 5th, 2015. The Seuss Connection, The Sneeches. Good morning, Connection Community Church. My name is Nectar, and today we're going to read The Sneeches by Dr. Seuss. Are you ready? Here we go. Now, the star belly sneeches had bellies with stars. The plain belly sneeches had none upon ours. Those stars weren't so big. They were really so small. You might think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star belly sneeches would brag we're the best kind of sneech on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. We'll have nothing to do with the plain belly sort. When the Starbelly Sneeches had Frankfurter roasts, or picnics, or parties, or marshmallow toasts, they never invited the Plain Belly Sneeches. They left them out cold, in the dark, on the beaches. Then one day, it seems, while the Plain Belly Sneeches were moping and doping alone on the beaches, just sitting there wishing their bellies had stars, a stranger zipped up in the strangest of cars. My friends, he announced in a voice clear and keen, my name is Sylvester McMonkey McBean. I come here to help you. I have what you need, and my prices are low, and I work at great speed, and my work is 100% guaranteed. Then quickly, Sylvester McMonkey McBean put together a very peculiar machine, and he said, you want stars like a star belly sneech? My friends, you can have them for $3 each. Just pay me your money and hop right aboard. So they clambered inside, then the big machine roared. When the plain belly sneeches popped out, they had stars. They actually did. They had stars upon bars. Good grief, groaned the ones who had stars at the first. We're still the best sneeches, and they are the worst. But now, how in the world will we know, they all frowned, if which kind is what, or the other way around? Then up came McBean with a very sly wink, and he said, Things are not quite as bad as you think. I'll make you again the best niches on beaches, and all it will cost you is ten dollars eaches. Belly stars are no longer in style, said McBean. What you need is a trip through my star-off machine. And that machine, working very precisely, removed all the stars from their tummies quite nicely. Then, of course, those with stars got frightfully mad. To be wearing a star now was frightfully bad. Then, of course, old Sylvester McMonkey McBean invited them into his star-off machine. All the rest of that day on those wild, screaming beaches, Racing through both machines were all of the sneeches. All changing their stars every minute or two. They kept paying their money. They kept running through. Until none of them knew which one was who. Then when every last cent of their money was spent, McBean packed up and off he went. And he laughed as he drove in his car up the beach. They never will learn. No, you can't teach a sneech. But McBean was quite wrong, I'm quite happy to say. 
that the Sneetches got really quite smart on that day. The day they decided that Sneetches are Sneetches, and no kind of Sneetch is the best on the beaches. That day all the Sneetches forgot about stars, and whether they had one or not upon ours. Amen. And so this month we embark on a four-part series using Dr. Seuss stories as kind of our starting point. This morning, as we just saw, we are looking at the story of the Sneetches. Yeah. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love that covers all. We thank you for your grace that prevails. We thank you for your mercy that is unending. And now settle us in as we take a look at um, what your word says and um, may we be changed and transformed by it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Sneetches, those with stars on their bellies and those without, have... Have you ever felt like a Sneetch? With star or without? Uh, probably not a star kind of thing. Maybe it was a Sneetch feeling like with, because of skin color, or maybe it was because of your hair color, or maybe it was your height, or maybe it was your weight, or maybe it was freckles, or wearing glasses, or some kind of physical, emotional, or mental, or psychological challenge that you were facing. Check this out. Um, Everybody with blue eyes, would you please stand up? We're special, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, st guess keep standing, come on. Now, what if I said all the blue eyes come sit in the front? No, wait a minute, this is church. That wouldn't be a plus, would it? No. What if I said all you guys got the special parking places up front? Or, or uh, maybe you got to leave and pick up your children first. Yeah. That would make us special, first wouldn't it? First pick of the hospitality. First pick of the hospitality. Personally, people would bring your coffee. Maybe we have coffee servers just for you, huh? Of course, I guess, Carrie, you're not blue eyes, are you? No, I'm not. So I guess all you blue-eyed guys wouldn't feel too good about that, would you? Nah. Blue eyes, you can sit down. Thank you. And of course, you know, the... Blue eyes aren't especially special. I've learned that over the years, you know. We're, yeah. Well, we find a similar situation found in the Bible. It's in the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul wrote Galatians. It's a letter to a church. And here's what he said, Galatians chapter 3. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Okay, so Paul wasn't dealing here with eye color. He wasn't dealing with with stars on the bellies. He was dealing with some deeply held convictions of the people. Paul was a Jew, and he was well-versed in the Jewish laws and customs of the Jewish people. Now, there was an old Jewish prayer that the uh, Jewish men would say, and it went basically like this. 
Blessed are you, King of the universe, for not having made me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. I like that prayer. Anyway, Paul uses this as he addresses, uh, he's kind of, we don't realize, but he's kind of addressing this prayer as he addresses the church in Galatia. See, in that church were Christ followers who came from a, a Jewish background, but there were also Christ followers who came not from a Jewish background. We, we call them the Gentiles. Maybe you read in Scripture about the Gentiles. They're the, they're the Christ followers not from a Jewish background. The Christians with a Jewish background kind of had a superiority complex. And Paul was combating this, encouraging not allow to allow things like whether you were Jewish or not Jewish to come between them, to divide this congregation in the church in Galatia. He was encouraging them to realize that we are one in Jesus Christ. From the Sioux story this morning, in other words, the star bellies and the plain bellies are all one in the kingdom. Here at Connection, we have a mission to connect people with Jesus and the life he offers, absolutely. We also have core values. We have bedrock beliefs and we have a to-do list. The to-do list is a brief list of actions that Jesus calls us to do. One of those action steps is to love God with everything we've got and love our neighbor as ourself. And you may think, golly, days, you always say that. It's such an overused expression, but you know, we really cannot overuse that. It's a basic core of what Jesus Christ taught. He shares the idea, love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We find that in Luke 10, verse 27. And so this was a response, Jesus said this in response to a teacher of the law like a lawyer or, you know, a Pharisee, somebody who taught the law asking what he had to do to inherit eternal life. When Jesus told him to love his neighbor as himself, the Jewish law expert tried to find a loophole, and he asked, well, who was his neighbor? And then Jesus told a story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, it's when a Jewish guy is beat up and left on the side of the road. Two religious people came along and walked right by him, whether they didn't have time to stop or they feared that he was dead and they didn't want to touch dead bodies because that was against their religion. But then a Samaritan comes along. The Jews hated Samaritans. That was stemming from century-old differences. Well, in spite of this, the Samaritan takes this Jewish person laying on the side of the road, takes him to an inn to see that he is cared for and nursed back to health. When Jesus asks the Jewish legal expert which of these three was the man's neighbor, his response was the one who showed mercy. And yet, it was the Samaritan who was the one who acted as the neighbor. 
Jesus told this Jewish expert, the law expert, to go and do the same. Hmm. And so over and over and over again, as we read the scriptures, Jesus makes it clear that we are to love those around us, even, even those we don't agree with, even those we don't care for, even those we dislike, even those that we might even despise. Here's what he shares with his disciples as part of the teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount. We, uh, we talked about this a couple of months ago, but here it is again. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, says Jesus, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so we are told to love those who we even disagree with, those who see things differently than we do, even those who persecute us. And we are really put to the test on this, especially right now. A week ago Friday, the Supreme Court ruled five to four that state bans on same-sex marriage are no longer legal. And with that ruling possibly comes great division. As religious leader T.D. Jakes recently shared, he said it's important to keep this whole thing in perspective. He said the world is the world and the church is the church. And we can't confuse the two. Supreme Court ruling was based on constitutional rights and legalities, not on a debate on scripture. It's very unlikely that the justices were using an open Bible as the basis of their ruling in the case. And it's important for us to remember, as Bishop Jakes points out, even though America has a lot of Christians in it, it is not necessarily a Christian nation at this point in time. It's tough to hear, it's tough to say, but that's a reality. What we need to do is to make sure that in the aftermath of this ruling, we need to make sure that religious freedom is respected and protected in this great country of ours. Reverend Dr. Bruce Pringle, he's the pastor of a church in Texas. He said that many churches are becoming more and more countercultural. Well, the thing is, to be a follower of Jesus from the very beginning, that is countercultural. The disciples, Jesus' first disciples, lived contrary to the culture around them. Throughout history, following Jesus, having a biblical world view, living according to Scripture as, as closely as possible, meant living contrary, means living contrary to culture. And our challenge is this. Who or what is going to reign supreme in our lives? The law of the land or the command of God? The rulings of the Supreme Court or the word of God? 
that we call the Holy Bible. Here in this congregation this morning, we have people all over the map in response to the Supreme Court ruling. We have both ends of the spectrum, all points in between, and we want to be sensitive to all of those who are here. And as we go through this message, we're going to say some things that you may celebrate. We encourage you don't clap, don't hallelujah, just because we don't want to alienate. Our question is this, though. Are, are we going to allow this thing to divide us, this ruling? Will this question be for us what the stars were for the Sneetches? Or are we going to love one another in spite of our differences? Our choice would be that we would choose to love. And that is not to say that we don't take a stand, because we do. We believe and will continue to believe that marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman for a lifetime. We believe that that is what God intended. We believe that that is what the scripture says. And that being said, we are also well aware that we as people constantly do what is contrary to God's intention. That we break God's laws, that we sin, and God forgives. God redeems through the blood of Jesus Christ. That being said, it is still God's intention that we be faithful to God's plan as outlined in Scripture. Along this line, we believe that, that homosexual practice is sexual sin. But we don't believe that that is uh, uh, to be looked at in absolute isolation all by itself out here someplace. Let me repeat that. This is not just something in isolation because we also believe that sex outside of marriage is sexual sin. We believe that extramarital sex is sexual sin. We believe that even a couple who's ready to get married, next week they're going to say, I do, <laughs> if, if, if they're engaging in sex before the I do happens, that that's sexual sin. We believe that engaging in pornography is sexual sin. Are you getting the picture here this morning? I mean, we could go on probably for an hour, but I think you get the idea that what we're talking about, the, the homosexual issue, is not in isolation. It's, it's in context of, of sexual sin according to what God teaches us biblically. And we believe all these choices are contrary to that biblical standard. And even though the culture that we live in seems to say that many of these practices are okay, or even at times almost encourages them, we consider them uh, contrary to God's intention according to what we read in Scripture. Now, this isn't meant to be a judgment on our part that we're rendering here, but just sharing with you our understanding of Scripture and how we understand it. And we know that many people will disagree with us, people both inside the church and outside the church, even some of you sitting here this morning. And again, our purpose is to not sit on the judgment seat here today, but to share our understanding of God's Word. It's important for us to remember that while the Supreme Court is working with the Constitution, God doesn't judge us by the Constitution, but instead by His Word. 
Our challenge today, though, is not so much the ruling of the Supreme Court. Our real challenge is to continue to love. Continue to love in spite of our differences, in spite of how we view this ruling, in spite of where we stand. Our challenge is to continue to be able to walk and talk with people who have differing views. That is so important. Our challenge is to begin right in our own households, center on God's word, and remember that at all times God is in control. And T.D. Jakes points out that while Christianity may not be the dominant religion in America at this point, it isn't, doesn't have anything to do with Supreme Court. It's because that is because we've stopped witnessing. We've stopped doing what God calls us to do. That's why we're losing ground. It's not the Supreme Court. It's us who somehow have uh, become not as passionate about sharing Christ with others. We must do everything we can to win souls for Jesus. It's up to us. Our challenge is to show love and respect for everyone, especially those who understand the ruling differently than we do, especially those who might even persecute us, as we shared earlier what Jesus said. Here's the thing, though. We won't compromise the truth, regardless of what the Supreme Court says, while at the same time we won't hate someone because we disagree. As Reverend Dr. Bruce Prindle, as Carrie mentioned him earlier, as he says, we won't crack jokes or make fun, and we won't lash out. In fact, and here's a challenge for some of us, as followers of Jesus, we're even called to champion the rights of those around us, even if their lifestyle is contrary to ours. A few weeks ago, I um, on Facebook saw something that Rick Warren wrote. He's the uh, senior pastor at Saddleback a Church out in California, a very large church out there. And I really, really thought Rick Warren hit it on the head, especially in light of uh, some dividing possible things a lot of things being said on Facebook, a lot of things being said in newspapers, being said all over the place. Here's what he said. He said, our culture has accepted two big lies. The first that is if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. And the second is that to love someone means that you agree with everything they believe or do. Warren says both of these are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. We're reminded here of the story found in the Bible. It's John chapter 8 where there's a woman who's caught in adultery and she's brought before Jesus. Now the law said that she could be stoned for that behavior. Jesus told those who gathered that the one without sin should cast the first stone. Well, the crowd disappeared, leaving no one to condemn the woman. And Jesus said to the woman that he was not there to condemn her either. He told her to go and sin no more. 
I just think it's kind of funny, this whole thing about sin, because it seems like we, we have a, 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 a sin in the spotlight at different times, so to speak. I, I like to call it the sin du jour, you know, our sin of the day, the, the one that we're going to really, really focus on. Our, our current focus as a culture is on this same-sex relations and marriage and that kind of a thing. It's real easy for us to get so focused there, especially when that's not our personal challenge, <laughs> that we forget that we're all guilty of sin. You know, Romans 3.23, it assures us. It doesn't suggest, it doesn't say possibly. It assures us that each and every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And our only hope, <laughs> our only saving grace, our only possible uh, redemption from that sin is in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's true for each and every one, no matter what the flavor of your sin is, and mine as well. Our only hope is in Christ. And so with this in mind, we would like to uh, close with the words that Jim Daly shared recently. He's president of the Focus on the Family. He shared this in response to this Supreme Court ruling. He said this. He said, In the days to come, we must remember to season our words with salt. Remember, uh, Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the salt in the world. That means we're supposed to bring flavor to it. We're supposed to preserve what's good. You must remember to season your words with salt. It's time to be light in these dark times. It's not time to be combative and caustic. Now more than ever, we are to emulate Jesus Christ. We must continue to show that loving kindness as we talk with our neighbors and friends who see this issue differently. That's been a little bit of a tough day here for us because I know that we're not all on the same page with this. But I do pray that we can all get along and we can love and we can respect one another because that's what Christ would want us to do. To walk side by side, hand in hand, and to make a difference for Christ. We are challenged to reflect Christ. There's a lot of stuff I've seen on Facebook from people who reflect Christ, they say, and they're being awful hateful, and I see it on both sides. And I don't want to see that from us on Facebook or anywhere. Our mission is to connect people with Jesus and the life he offers. That's what we're about. We're also about coming together and being able to celebrate what God has done for each one of us no matter what our beliefs are. And in a moment, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion, and that's a place where we all come as one in Christ. We're all children of God. That's the good news. Let's live it, and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Almighty God, thank you for today. Help us, God, to remember to season our words with salt. 
to emulate Christ, to show loving kindness as we walk together with sisters and brothers. We are all sinners and we all fall short. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you've done for each one of us. And it's in your name that we pray all this. And everybody gathered said, mm. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.